We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited today to have Andrew Burnett on the podcast. Uh, you may have seen his blog post about how he created a gradeless math classroom in a school that requires grades. What a wonderful title. And when I saw that, I thought, man, we definitely need to talk with this guy. So Andrew, welcome. And thank you so much for being a part of transformative principle. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So, um, you are a veteran teacher, been around for a long time. Um, but you also have taken a little bit of time off from being in the classroom. So can you talk about that before we get into your, um, click worthy blog post that's in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org. Can you tell us a little bit about what that interim time was? Sure. Uh, in 2012, I was uh, finishing up my 15th year of teaching and I was offered a job to come and work with a professor at Worcester Polytechnic Institute in Worcester, Massachusetts to help him run an educational study to determine if students re- receive immediate feedback on their homework do they actually learn more? And it was a randomized controlled trial in the state of Maine. There were 44 schools participating, uh, 22 of which were control. The other were uh, experimental schools. And after the four years was up, we actually found that uh, students do learn significantly more when they receive immediate feedback on their homework. Great. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And at the same time, I kind of feel like that is kind of a given. So what, uh, <laughs> you think it would be exactly, yeah. but nobody, nobody had run a study on it prior to this study, uh, which was funded by the U S department of education. And, uh, it's, it's was so successful that they are now currently doing, uh, replication, uh, studies in North Carolina and other parts of the country. Hmm, how fascinating. And it's one of those things that, uh, like many things in education, seems um, very obvious when you think about it, and yet surprising that nobody's done a study, and also surprising that um, that teachers aren't already giving that feedback. Um, what do you think the the barrier to them giving immediate feedback is? 
Well, I think there's a few barriers. Uh, if, if you go back to 2012, while technology was, was still pretty strong, uh, I think it's changed a lot in the last six years. Back in 2012, we, we went to Maine because they have a uh, program in Maine where every student in grades seven and eight uh, gets a laptop or an iPad to use for the entire school year. They get to take it home with them. So we knew that we could offer online homework where they could do it on their device, get immediate feedback, and then the teachers would have a report before the students walked into the classroom to tell which problems they had to go over. So uh, when that happened in 2012, I think technology was a, a stumbling block or a barrier. Uh, I don't think that's as much a barrier anymore, but I think one of the things that is a barrier is that change is hard. One thing that I really learned over the five years that I was working with them is, is when teachers are set in their ways, trying to change what you've been doing is is a hard thing because whenever you come across something that's difficult, the natural tendency is to move back to the things that you're comfortable with. Yeah, that is, that is so true. And, and what a powerful statement. So how do you then overcome that? And how do you, we as principals make it safe for teachers to keep going on that change, even when it gets difficult and they reach barriers? Uh, that's the million dollar question. Um, oh, I, I hoped you had an answer for us. Just like get done. I would I would say that um, if a teacher is ready for it uh, but doesn't know how to change, that's when you need to be able to step in and be ready to step in. Some teachers are never going to be comfortable making that change, but there are a subset of teachers that want to change but don't know how. And being able to get your hands on them at the right time uh, is really important. And the other piece that we found was when you work with a teacher that has worked less than five years – they are more apt to uh, try something new in their classroom to try to be successful. And that's where we had the biggest bang for our buck when we had new teachers uh, that were uh, part of the study or, or looking at doing something like this. Very interesting. And so um, with, with this chain, with this study, you were able to see many different teachers doing many different things and you brought some of that back to your classroom and, you came back to teaching this year. It's your first year back. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, you, so you brought it back to uh, teaching and you're um, teaching seventh grade math. And one of the biggest things is that you don't give grades in math class, which it, it, there's so many questions. So talk a little bit about how you made that decision to not give grades in your classroom. Well, I'd like to say that it was because I saw another teacher doing this, uh, but I didn't. Uh, what happened was, uh, as I was uh, starting to interview for jobs in the spring of 2017, I was thinking about the teacher that I wanted to be when I came back and using some of the things that I did see from teachers from visiting their classrooms during the study. And I, I came across a blog post on Medium from Arthur, I'm not going to probably pronounce his last name correctly, uh, Caravelli, and it was called Teachers Going Gradeless, and it was from April 8th, uh, 2017, and uh, the minute I read that, uh, it started to make me realize that I could do something significantly different in my class and uh, hopefully make that change, but the problem was I felt like I had these pieces to a puzzle from reading his uh, blog and then going on to uh, Facebook and signing up for Aaron Blackwater's uh, Teachers Going Gradeless 
um, group and reading everything that people were doing, but I couldn't seem to put it all together. And the, and the glue that put it all together was reading Joe Bowler's uh, Mathematical Mindsets book uh, during the summer, this past summer. And when I read that and th- was thinking about how I could do this, everything came together. Yeah, that that uh, book has been powerful for every teacher that I know that has read it. And so I think that that is a really powerful book. If you have not read that book yet, you definitely uh, should go get it. Mathematical Mindsets by Joel Buller. What was it about that book for you that really made a, a difference that made you stop and change how you're doing things? Well, it was her philosophy behind uh, having students uh, look at their own work and how they were going to be self-assessing themselves. I, I, I knew that I wanted students to self-assess themselves and that we were going to conference, but I couldn't, couldn't put that picture, like how would that look? And she had suggested in her book, I believe it was in her book, I've read so many different things, but I'm pretty sure it was from her book where she had the four levels, you know, look at the conferences, conferencing from four levels of student self-assessment, where one is I need more time to understand this. Two, uh, I can do this with the help of an example. Three, I can do this on my own, but I'm still making a few errors. And four, I can do this on my own, explain my work to others. And I came across that along with her ideas on um, having uh, engaging, interesting uh, topics in class when you are working with the math. You're not standing in the front of the room. You're having students work in groups. You're having students figure things out for themselves. And since they were so invested in that amount of time of learning, that allowed me to think, boy, I can put these pieces together and make this a self-assessment and then have students conference with me to, to, uh, to, to determine what their grade should be. And that, that raises a bunch of questions. How can I mean, isn't every kid just going to say they get an A? <laughs> uh, that was honestly, I had a, I had a number of fears going into this. Uh, that was my biggest fear uh, that I would have these uh, knockdown, dragout battles with the kids. Uh, but what actually worked out was uh, we were able to take a look at their work and break it down by learning standard, and that was another big piece of putting the learning standards in there. And having students talk about the learning standards during class, I refer back to the learning standards during class. And then when we conference or when they're taking an assessment, they are looking specifically at the learning standards. So we could say in this specific learning standard, where do you think your understanding is? What have you shown me? And Joe Bowler had suggested not giving tests or quizzes, but do a show me what you can do. That's low stakes, no grade. And, uh, when you're able to do that with your students and tie it to the standard, they can actually say, okay, problems one, two, and three that I worked on here were this standard. I was able to understand question one, but I struggled here with question two and question three. I feel that I need more time to understand this or I could do this. I need a help of an example to get it done. And when we were able to break down and look specifically at that, uh, students were not asking or saying that they should get an A. They were saying, oh, I see where my weaknesses are. How can I improve this? And then the second step is offering students to be able to retake 
that type of problem. I wouldn't give them the exact same problem, but they could retake to improve that grade or improve that level of understanding. So it's, it's not just about um, not having grades, but it's about changing what the focus is. So the focus is not on completing assignments. The focus is on uh, being able to demonstrate understanding of the standards. Is that a fair way to say that? I think that's a perfect way to stand say that. That's exactly what it is. So it, it's really interesting because um, just this last week, the quarter ended for, for my school district, and one of my teachers uh, sent me a text of a huge pile of papers that she had to quote-unquote grade. And um, she said, you know, one of our problems with personalized learning is that it means that kids don't ever have to turn anything in anymore. And, you know, I thought that's not really a, a fair summary of what our goals are in our school. Just like if I were to say that about your classroom, that means kids don't have to turn anything in anymore. Is that, is that an accurate statement? Uh, yes and no. Great answer. I think that things have changed. Uh, I'll talk about the homework piece in a second, but to talk specifically about what your teacher said, where she had those things to grade. I, I will honestly say Changing what I did here, I spend a lot more time with the students' assessments, their show me what you can do. And I spend a lot more time very, thinking, being very thoughtful with my responses to them. Because one other thing that Joe Bowler recommended in her book was to, uh, when you give these back, give specific details on what they did well and what they did not do well so that they can learn from those details. So the next time they're faced with a similar situation, they'll be able to see, oh, I did this well here, I need to do this again, or I didn't do this well here, here's what I need to do. So yes, there is spending more time uh, when it comes to grading things, but uh, I have I no longer walk around the room and write down in my grade book, you completed your homework, you completed this assignment, you completed that, and then type that into my computer on my online grade book. That, that was a big time sucker for me. You know, it, it took a lot of time to do that, and I no longer do that. So the yes part is, yeah, I'm spending a lot more time grading specific things to give constructive feedback, but no, I am not this day-to-day you got to turn this in. You need to turn this in. I'm not keeping track of that. Uh, and that has helped quite a bit. Yeah. And so I, in response to this teacher, I wrote a blog post, which is basically saying the exact same thing that you're saying, which is instead of spending time grading assignments or entering grades for assignments, you spend your time giving feedback on learning. And that's what the whole focus is in your classroom. Is that fair to say? That's, that's exactly what it is. So when you do that, um, yes, you spend more time grading. Yes, you give more feedback. My experience as a former English teacher is that usually if I wrote a ton of stuff on the, um, on the paper the kids wrote, gave them a ton of feedback, they would look at the grade they got and then toss it in the trash. <laughs> yep. So yep. how does that work with you giving feedback on your, on your assignments or your show me what you know or show me what you can do or mm-hmm. anything else they're doing? 
Yeah, you can use any acronym or word choice for that because that's exactly what it is. It's show me what you know, show me what you can do. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't put any grades on there at all. So the first time student, I explained how this would work to my students at the beginning of the school year, but the first time they got this back, you know, the big question is, what did I get? And I said, you didn't get anything. You got in, you didn't get a grade for that matter. You got this back and you can learn from what you did here on this. Show me what you can do. And that uh, changed their mindset because they no longer were looking for the grade because the next thing I hand them the minute they get that back is a self-assessment sheet. Tell me how you think you did. Tell me what you know, what you were able to show me that you know. And I found that a lot of students early on, they would they had made some errors along the way and they would say to me, oh, but I gave myself a four, which is the highest number, because I know what I did wrong here. And I have to push back on them. I said, I'm glad you know what you did wrong, but what did you show me on this? What can I see? What have you shown me? And that once they understood, I can't give myself a four if I know what I did wrong. I have to give myself a number that pertains to what I actually showed here. That helped a lot with the students. And I didn't, I never have students just tossing stuff away anymore because they know that they can use what they have from their show me what you can do's when they do a retake or if they're doing something in that learning standard again in the future. Okay. So it's more focused on evidence versus completion now, right? Uh, correct. Exactly. What, what do you know? What can you show me that you know? Okay. And so they, they keep their, um, their, uh, assignments or learning evidences or whatever you want to call them um, because they can use those later. So does that mean that they, that they're basically just uh, copying off of their previous thing and just changing a couple things to get a better quote unquote grade or a self-assessment? What is, what does that look like? So when they come back in for a retake, uh, they uh, will either bring their hard copy of the show me what you can do or when they're done self-assessing, I have them take a picture of it and put it up on Seesaw, which is a online portfolio for students. So all of their, everything that I want to take a look at that's, that's an assessment type of uh, material from them, I have them put on Seesaw so that I can always have access to it. They can always have access to it. So what we'll do is they come in for a retake and we'll take a look at what they would like to retake. Which learning standard are you saying you want to show that you know how to do? So then we'll take a look at their work and we'll talk about it. And we'll say, I'll say to them, I see you made this error here. What did you do wrong? Let's talk it out. Tell me what you did. And when they can uh, explain to me in a way that, that makes sense, that, that shows that they understand the material, then I know that they're ready to actually show me on their own. And so using that, it's not sitting next to them necessarily when they do the retake, but it is available for discussion prior to. And I'd like to stress also the retakes are not the same as the originals. It's still the same learning standard, but it's a totally different uh, question or, or prompt or something like that. Hmm. Tell me more about that, about the different prompts and questions and and that, because uh, what I'm what I'm getting at is that there may be some different layers of Bloom's taxonomy or Marzano's taxonomy or whatever taxonomy you happen to use that goes to a deeper level of the standard. Are you in that deep or are you, are you still just focusing on the main standard? Just focusing on the main standard. Um, I, you know, one of the things that, uh, 
Joe Bowler pointed out in her book is that, you know, we're, we're not out to get students. And, and I think early on in my career, I was, th- I would, I would put together tests and I'm like, Ooh, I, let me put this really hard question on here to see if I can, if I can get them, you know, if they can have a yeah. struggle with this. And, uh, what I really want to do is create something where they can be successful. Things that we have done in groups in class, or we have done individ- they have worked on individually and that we've talked about. I, I'm not trying to throw them a curveball. We're going basically with the standard. What, what are the things that they need to know for, to show proficiency with this standard? So we're not going deeper in if that's what you're asking me. Yeah, that makes sense. So when they come back and they do another similar type question, you're really just changing the, um, the variables and the numbers and the, the concept is the same because that's what you're really focusing on. Like I am, uh, I can explain what a polar or a, what a point on a graph of a proportional relationship means in terms of the situation. Exactly. Exactly. And I did take that from your website. So <laughs> yeah, that's right from uh, one of the examples that I, yes. I put on there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So um, this, this is really fascinating because it, it sounds like fairly simple what you're doing, but I imagine that it takes a, an immense amount of work on your part. How has your workload changed now compared to how you used to teach uh, the last time you were in the classroom? Uh, well, uh, for short answer, it's, it's decreased um, in some areas and increased in other areas. Um, but I, I, before I answer that, I just want to say that I think the biggest thing that helped me be successful with this was to, um, make the conscious effort not to have a grade book. Um, and it, it really was quite frightening, uh, as a teacher, not a grade book. Uh, but what I knew was, uh, since I had students taking pictures of all the work that was pertinent and that I could access it at any time, worst case scenario, at the end of the quarter, I could go through all their work and give them a grade. Um, but it never came to that because the kids were great. Uh, their self-assessments were great. The conferences went really well. Um, but when it came down to the amount of work that I have, um, I, I think I mentioned this earlier that when I was teaching before, I would walk around the classroom and check to make sure that everybody did their homework and record that. I still walk around to check to make sure that everybody does their homework. Oh, and by the way, thanks to Joe Bowler, I no longer call it homework with my students. I call it a learning opportunity. Great. Uh, an opportunity definitely has a different um, connotation. And, you know, some students say, but really it's homework. And I said, well, no, it's, it's not work. It's an opportunity for you to learn. And, you know, some of them chuckle about it, but, uh, others I think have bought in some have, some have not, but, you know, I, I would walk around the room and I would keep track of who did their homework. And I would also keep track of things that they did in class. Everybody turned this in. I'm going to check it to make sure you did it. Everything I did, I kept track of it. I entered all of that in my online grade book. I would end up with columns and columns and columns of grades for the students. And many of these grades did not have any indicator of whether or not the student actually understood what was going on. A lot of it was, I can complete this. I can get it done. And I realized that after reading that blog post on Medium, that that doesn't make sense. What we really want is our students walking out of our classrooms in June with a larger amount of knowledge that they can take on in the next grade, not 
I have the ability to do a lot more work. So when it came to this year, taking that out of the equation, I'm no longer spending time, uh, you know, trying to keep track of who did what assignment. Um, but I do, for those that want to keep assignments somewhere, I do have an online site called Assistments that I use. Uh, it's assistments.org. It's the word assist, M-E-N-T-S dot org. And I have all students complete their learning opportunities on assistments. And the importance of that that I found is that going back to when I was out of the classroom and we did that study, uh, students actually learn more when they get immediate feedback. This allows for immediate feedback on their learning opportunities. So let's say that I want to know if a student has actually been completing those. I can always go back to assessments and take a look to see who completed them. If a student is not doing their work, most likely they're going to struggle when it comes to the show me what you can do uh, because they are not practicing those uh, learning standards. So then I'll contact home and I'll say, uh, Joe has been uh, last three assignments, has not been doing those. Uh, you, could you help me with reminding him at home that he needs to get these things done? And I've had some great uh, responses from the teacher, uh, from the parents uh, when I contact them. Thank you for telling me. We'll make sure that we get on that. And uh, the students are, get back on track because the, someone's paying attention to them at home. So uh, having that piece taken out of me having to record their grades, but also having the ability just to check in if I had to, uh, it, it, was, it, it really helped me out. Now, the time that I spend, as I said before, the amount of time that I spend it, that is greater is with the assessments themselves. Um, it takes a long time to go through those, but it is time well spent because I know that I'm giving my students material that they are going to be able to look at and help them be better learners in my classroom. Well, and Andrew, isn't that where you would want to spend your time with the thing that actually helps them know whether or not they're learning the material rather than, you know, some compliance piece of just doing the homework for uh, completion points, you know, that, that just it, when you say it out loud, it's like, why would you spend your time anywhere else? Right. Exactly. Uh, There's no doubt about it. Uh, It, it has opened my eyes to, I found myself saying this year, why have I not, why did I not do this sooner? Why did I not realize this sooner? Um, And I think a lot of it was change is hard. As I said earlier, you know, it's hard to change what you've been doing. And I think being out of the classroom and and allowing me to, you know, have a, have an outside view of, of teaching as a whole and my teaching in the classroom allowed me to feel comfortable with making this change. Yeah, that's, that's really fantastic. So there's, Obviously, not everybody's doing this yet, and so there's some. There's going to be some resistance because change is hard. Um, what do you see as the biggest barriers to teachers actually implementing a change like this? And I'll speak first to that because there's a very real issue that I think if anybody um, if anybody pushed back, it would crumble like crazy. So like in my district, teachers are required to update their grades every two weeks. And so you mentioned in your blog post, you're required to do it just once per quarter. And that, that to me seems like an area where if the teacher was doing all the stuff that you're talking about doing with different learning opportunities and giving feedback, contacting parents, then those issues, like 
nobody would care that you're not updating your gradebook because they're getting the feedback so frequently. So that kind of a policy, that would be a barrier. And, you know, if any of my teachers are listening to this, if you're going down this path, I will support you in doing this because I do think this is the right way to do it. So we can get past that little barrier and figure out a way to, to deal with those kinds of policies that are in place. So what are some of the other barriers that you see, Andrew, to, um, to, to teachers actually doing this? Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I, my eyes were opened wide uh, by the responses that I received on Twitter and questions that people asked. And there were some teachers that said that they had a had to have, say, a minimum of 18 grades, uh, six of which had to be tests and quizzes, and um, that they were forced to have their grades updated every week, like what you said. And that is a huge barrier. I mean, that's a non-starter. If, if you're going to go in this direction, it's not going to be, as, as far as I can see, it's not going to be possible for you to be able to make the jump to gradeless. So I am incredibly fortunate that I fell luckily into this district uh, in Newton, Mass, where everybody was really supportive of what I was doing and did not put any of these restrictions on uh, what I needed to do in my classroom. And he, they allowed, they hired me as a professional and they allowed me to be a professional and exactly. do do what I needed to do as a teacher. Exactly. Um, so I am, I'm very blessed to have, uh, a great, uh, grade level department with, uh, three other math teachers that are supportive of what I'm doing. Uh, my principal, um, my, uh, math curriculum coordinator and math coach, uh, everybody has been very supportive of what I've been doing. And, and I think that they, the, the feedback that I've received from them uh, during the year that I've been here is that they really like it. They'd like me to share out with some, to some other teachers. They've asked if I've talked to my grade level department about it, and I have. Uh, but once again, I'm in a position where I'm their colleague. Uh, I'm telling them what I'm doing, and you know, if they want to do something else, that's fine. Um, I, it's it's not my position to say no. You should be doing this. I just tell them. You know, this is working well for me. You might want to try this. Um, and not to say what they're doing is wrong either. Uh, it's, it's what's working for them in their classroom. I just know that the gradeless, uh, experiment that, which it really was for me is, is something that for me that's here to stay because I, I know that it's made at least my experience teaching this year, uh, a lot more enjoyable. And I think that my students are more relaxed than they have been in previous years. Yeah, I, I would definitely second that from my experiencing teachers do this as well. And that idea of you having support to do this is just so crucial. And, um, you know, people who are just coming on and learning about you right now, like I did, you know, don't realize that back in August, you already explained what you were going to do and told parents in a letter about how your practices were going to go. That was before you had any proof that this was a better way to do it any proof yourself, right? You, you knew that this was a good idea. Otherwise you wouldn't have done it. Um, but you, you started that out at the beginning of the year. What was the response from parents in that letter that you sent home at the beginning of the year? Uh, well, I really have to, uh, uh, thank Arthur Caravelli, uh, who wrote the uh, gradeless teachers going gradeless post on medium. He was the one, I think I ended up in July somewhere. I think I ended up emailing him and asking him if he had 
a letter that could be sent home and, and he shared his with me and I tweaked it a little bit to work for me. Um, but the bulk of that were his ideas. And, uh, I think he spent a lot of time thinking about what is the right thing to say to parents. And I, I really have to credit him because that letter went home and, uh, I had also along with that letter, it was a class policies that parents have to sign and have their um, children return. And, and a some, a few, not too many, but a few wrote, uh, I love how you are uh, looking at standards and looking at understanding as opposed to grading them on what they're doing. And uh, that was validating to begin with because it was just the first week of school where I'm getting these papers back from, from parents. And then uh, two weeks into school, we had a back-to-school night and uh, parents came in and I explained it uh, similarly to how I had in the letter. And, um, you know, they asked a few good questions, uh, but nobody seemed unnerved by it. And since then, I have not had one parent email me saying, what's going on? What's my child's grade? How come I can't see it in here? Or I don't understand this. It's, it's been great support from the parents. And, and Newton is a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a town that, uh, it does, parents do well financially. Uh, they come from good homes and, uh, parents are involved in, in what they're doing in, in school. And, uh, they've been just very supportive. Yeah. Well, I, I think parents are supportive in general and ultra supportive when we're actually doing what's right. And parents aren't emailing you and asking how their kid's doing because the kids can tell them themselves, right? Exactly. They know exactly where the, what their <laughs> understanding is. And if they don't know, they can walk over to Seesaw and open it up and say, oh, yeah, I filled out this self-assessment and here's what I understand from the things we did recently. Yeah, that that is just so powerful. And giving them the, the power to do that is really great. So what other uh, barriers do you see to teachers adopting this as well? Um, I think the only other barrier other than uh, with a school being open to, to them doing it is, is, uh, is the change. Um, change is hard. Um, and I, I think until you decide that you're going to, you're going to be uncomfortable because it's going to be different. You're going to probably be, like I said, you know, it, it freaked me out when I said, I'm not going to have a grade book. Um, you have to be able to take those leaps of faith and then stick with your, stick with it, even when there's pushback, perhaps from students, perhaps from parents and say, I know what I'm doing is going to be more beneficial for their learning in the long run. And that I think was the, uh, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest hurdle that teachers can overcome. And, you know, re- reading some of the things that teachers have written on Twitter or uh, sent me emails about this, um, it sounds like there's a, a, a large amount of teachers that are out there that really want to try this. Yeah. And I would agree with that. So what is your advice to them? What's one thing that they can start doing today that will help them get down this path? Uh, I would never start something like this in the middle of the school year. I think you probably have a rebellion on your hands from both students and parents. Uh, we're at a point right now, we're in March, uh, we're, we're in the uh, second third of the school year or uh, last third of the school year, and we can start thinking about what we want to do next September. So I would make a plan and have it all planned out uh, going into the beginning of the next school year and, and take 
what I have written on my blog and go and check out Arthur Carabelli uh, on his blog and go and uh, look at uh, Teachers Going Gradeless on Facebook and ask to join that group and read what other people are doing and just take in as much information as you possibly can so that you can visualize this is how it's going to work when I walk into the classroom in September of 2018. Uh, because if you can, if you can put all those pieces together and picture it in your mind, that's going to be so much easier. At least that's how it worked for me. Yeah, I think that is great advice. And there is, uh, links to everything that we've talked about in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org and just go to transformativeprinciple.org and search for Andrew Burnett. And, uh, that would be fantastic. How else can people connect with you and learn more from you, Andrew? Well, they can reach me on Twitter at andburnett123. Um, they could also uh, email me at my school address. It's burnetta at newton.k12.ma.us. Uh, either one is fine. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed in my five years out of the classroom and I still enjoy now is, is talking with other teachers and learning from them and also uh, spreading some of the things that I'm doing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle, and it has been an honor talking to you. And for those of you who are listening, if you are new to this episode, please uh, go to transformativeprinciple.org or look for it in iTunes and hit the subscribe button, and you can get all the great interviews that I do with amazing educators who truly are changing the education landscape. Thank you again to Andrew for being part of this, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.